You're listening to the Weekly Portland Podcast, a slice of city life every Monday. I'm your host, Gregory Day. On today's show, we talk with fashion designer Michelle Lesniak. winner of Project Runway Season 11 and an all-star on that show. She will also be showing her new collection at Fashion Next in Portland, October 8th. Our correspondent Dan Rosen caught up with Michelle in her Southeast studio to discuss her influences, conveying emotion through design, and most importantly, her hair. Let's meet Michelle Lesniak. I wanted to start by asking you what your typical day is here in the studio when you're in town. Well, I have all hopes that I'm going to get in by 9, mm-hmm. but generally it's like 11. <laughs> so there, it starts out the day with like really high hopes. Then I slowly meander in. I'm trying to bike commute which I've done twice in the past month. Right. So I'm not trying that hard to bike commute. The problem is, is the bike commute is um, downhill on the way to the studio and then uphill on the way home. So my bike's going to stay here for another couple mm-hmm. weeks. And I get in, and it's like two hours of emails sending out. Um, emails, returning phone calls, looking at my schedule, planning out the schedule, and then delving into whatever project that I have currently going on. Um, today I'm getting prepared, or today I was getting prepared for the creative conference, which is next week on Friday, and I'm one of the speakers, so I'm getting my PowerPoint presentation together for that, and kind of really starting to organize my outline of what I want to talk about, um, because I want it to be different than the other speaking engagements that I've done. And then hopefully, in there somewhere, there's designing, but I feel like my job is like 10% designing, and the rest is all admin. Right, you wear many, many hats, right? Yeah. And you have, do you have people helping you out here? Um, there are a few people that come and go. I also sta- share this studio space, so I share it with two other designers here in town. One is a lingerie designer, um, Vava Lingerie, and the other is Cassie Ridgeway of Alter, um, which they're new into this studio space, and it has been a fantastic transition because I was alone in here so much, and then having the other two designers, we can really bounce ideas back and forth, um, and it m- makes for a more creative, more dynamic environment. I work in the graphic design field, and I work primarily from home, so I know what it's like to have isolation and not have people to bounce off ideas. Yeah, I've been in this space for three years, and for the first two, I was in here by myself, and having the other um, designers in here has made a world of difference for me. I feel like I stay here longer, um, I work harder, and I become more focused, um, I don't find myself um, getting sucked into a Netflix movie and paying attention to the movie and not doing my sewing or design work. Um, yeah, it's kind of nice having other people here to kind of keep you motivated and on the go. And how about the the Portland fashion community? 
For the most part, everyone that designs fashion here in Portland are very close. Mm -hmm. And you can use them as a networking um, tool as well as a problem solving. Um, I also get a lot of my fabrics from people within the community. Oh, shit, I'm missing this much lining. Does anyone have it in black? And then you get people, you know, popping up. I do, I do, I do. Um, they're also really great. I had a super, super, super heavy deadline last week uh, for two bridal gowns, and I was leaving town the next morning. And I actually went out into my community and was like, well, anyone go down to Oregon Leather and pick this stuff up for me? And there you go. Half an hour later, someone's dropping it off. So it is a really... Uh, tight-knit family kind of environment. And you're a native Portlander, right? I certainly am. I grew up in Southeast, actually just a few miles from where my studio's at. Native Southeast Portland girl, and Southeast Portland is kind of where my heart's at. So have you seen sort of the fashion community grow and expand and change over the years since you've been a part of it? Most definitely. Um, not only has the fashion community grown, but we've all become stronger and become better designers. And everyone has their niche. We're not competing over the same clientele necessarily, um, which is really lovely. You don't get that competitive dynamic. Um, you get more people trying to support one another and helping one another. And I, we do a lot of collaborations within this community too, which is super freaking fun because there's stuff I'm not good at and things that other designers are good at. And when you can collaborate becomes your products become stronger talk a little about the sort of speaking engagements that you do I do a lot of public speaking. It's something that I love. I super enjoy. I think that if I wasn't in the fashion design world, I would be like either a stand-up comic or, I don't know, something. I love talking to people, and um, I like being on stage. I really like talking, um, which can get really annoying when you're watching a movie with me because all I want to do is talk through the entire movie. But, um, yeah, I love public speaking. I did a TEDx talk last, I guess, a year ago. Um, I also travel around the world and do kind of design talks or motivational speaking. Um, one of the f my favorites that I did was in Peru last summer. Um, got to then go to Machu Picchu, which was freaking crazy. I was like petting a llama and like having this really amazing cosmic experience and chewing on coca leaves, which is where you make cocaine from. It was just super rad. Sounds awesome. Yeah. You actually have to chew on the cocoa leaves. I mean, it's not going to give you... It's like a high, like having coffee. And if you have too much of it, it gives you diarrhea. So you have to watch out on how much you're chewing. But what it does is it opens up your lungs and your airways because you're at such high elevation. One of the um, speakers that was with us, he actually had to go to the hospital and get fluids because it was too much for him. Um, so yeah, I was on that cocoa leaf high. It was amazing. Do you have any other speaking engagements? Let's see. I've got the Creative Conference next week that's here in Portland um, at the Armory, which is a really beautiful space. I'm super excited to be there. And then, hmm, I don't know if I have any. Oh, I might be doing something at the Mary Hill Museum next spring. They have these beautiful one-third miniatures after World War II that were done with Parisian, out of Parisian um, couture houses that because supplies were so limited they couldn't do full size so we do these one-third miniatures and then people would order from that and their collection is phenomenal so we're looking at actually me giving a lecture up there which would be super cool because then I could go back into their you know their storage and see what they have and maybe even get to touch it you know because right now they're behind glass. Wow so tell me a little bit about post-project runway life. Well I'm no longer anonymous and get people stopping me in airport bathrooms, which is really weird. Um, because you're not anonymous, anonymous and because you were on this weird TV show, uh, you get hate mail, 
which is lovely. Thank you for taking your time to tell me I need my ears tacked back. Like, really? You're going to tell me I need plastic surgery? One of the girls that was on the show with me, Amanda Valentine, she's based out of um, Nashville. Her brother is in Maroon 5. And her brother said to her before she went on the show, do not read anything online. Do not read the comments. Do not read the notes because people are trolls. When you're hiding behind your computer, they can just say whatever they want. And so I, I didn't, thankfully. Um, and I suggest anyone that is, you know, has any sort of public persona not to read that crap um, because it will eventually tear away at your ego. So must be a major difference between creating for the show and creating something here in your studio. Could you just go over the differences, the major differences you would say between what you had to do for the show and your real life? Well, one of the things is they forced you to use materials you wouldn't necessarily use. Um, I would probably never make a dress out of duct tape. That sounds horribly uncomfortable and like uh, being in a sauna while you're wearing it. Um, So you're forced to think outside of the box and use materials um, that you wouldn't use on the show. Your time frames are a lot tighter, too. Um, But that being said, it taught me how to work under really tight time frames because I'm relatively new at this. I, you know, I didn't go to school for fashion. I started um, my own line. I've had various names or labels um, in two, golly, what is your, in 2010 maybe so it's still really new for me um, and it taught me how to just kind of think quickly be on top of my game Um, now I have the freedom where I can make stuff that I want to make I'm not a ball gown girl so when we're forced in a challenge to make a ball ball gown it's not going to be the most exciting for me whereas what I do in my studio are things that I want to do that I choose to do Um, yeah it's way more fun in my studio and also I've read that you played the trombone. I did. I played the trombone. I actually went to state um, for the trombone with another bony pony. Her name was Karen. Uh, she and I went to state together and did a duet. Bony pony, I like that. Yeah, I was going to start a band called the Bony Ponies. Um, that never happened. But I still have my trombone. The slide is a little wonky. I don't know how you get something like that fixed. And my bone lips are totally gone. Like, I tried playing it, and it's like, you know. Um, but it's something that like I have out there as like a personal po- project in the future, mm-hmm. is to relearn how to play the trombone. And, and you were in the wine industry as well before this, right? Yeah, it's it sounds like a very strange. You go to art school and then you become a winemaker, but it's not as strange if you think about when you leave art school, you become a waitress <laughs> um, or you go back to art school. And while I was in the restaurant industry, fell in love with wine and moved back to Oregon and the rest is sort of history. Um, so at your, at your shows, you have good wine? Well, now I can't afford it. So the most of the wine I have comes in a box, um, whereas before I would get a stipend for wine. Um, uh, but yeah, I do have wine at all my shows, and I very much drink a lot of wine. So what other charitable things do you do to sort of keep your clothes affordable and give back to the community? I try my hardest. You know, a lot of the stuff that I show in my fashion shows um, are definitely turned up the volume and would be more expensive. But then I do a lower tier level where I try to keep my dresses between $250 and $500. You know, every seam is money. Um, and then I do use really beautiful materials. So that makes it a bit more expensive. And I also have it all manufactured here in town. So I'm not going overseas. Um, as far as the charities that I work with, um, one of them is Raphael House. 
here in town. And then any time a dog or cat rescue charity comes to me, I say yes, because I'm a huge, avid pet lover. I'm not a, I'm a mentor, not a mommy, unless it comes to dogs. I'm kind of a, a super dog freak. What is your dog of choice? I like small dogs because they're portable. Um, right now, I have like the grossest chihuahua. He's 16 years old. He's missing an eye. He's missing more teeth. Um, and he smells like what my girlfriend calls poopy tuna. Um, that's what he smells like. If you can imagine those two scents together. And I love him so much. He sounds adorable. Oh, my gosh. He's the most crotchety, gross little man. He likes to, like, if you'd never let him sleep in bed with you. But if you accidentally forget and he's sleeping in bed with you, he likes to crawl up in the middle of the night and just kind of lick the middle of your back. I mean, that's really freaking creepy. Or, like, in your armpit. And you wake up to this creepy-smelling dog licking your back in the middle of the night. Ah! It's crazy. Yeah. So tell me about uh, perhaps the connections you have with the past contestants from um, Project Runway and if you keep in contact with them and what relationship you still have with these people? One of the greatest things about the show is you get an extended family. And it's not just the other designers that you have on your season. You end up getting this beautiful, huge, oh my gosh, we're probably like 200 designers in at this point, family that you can reach out with and network in. Um, Anytime I'm in a new city, I look up the designers that live there and I contact them and we meet for dinner or cocktails or in their studio space. We're constantly traveling together um, because a lot of other fashion shows here in the United States and around the world like to pair us together in one evening. So I see them all the time. Um, And some of them are closer to me than anyone else I've known. You have the same connection of the PTSD that you go through when you return home. Um, And so it's like a family. I, I I would relate it like any sort of army buddy or someone where you go through something really traumatic. And not that being on the show is as traumatic as serving in a military zone, but you have something that you can share and commiserate about. Um, and it's lovely. And you also have this network of like, holy crap, where do I find this zipper? Or how do I get this manufactured? Or where do I find this? And you can send it out to your friends. And within minutes, you'll have answers. It's pretty incredible. Have you ever been tempted to move to New York to get closer to sort of the center of the industry? No, I I mean, I love New York City. I couldn't handle the summers. I will say that it's hot as all Hades. Um, But I can't afford in New York what I can afford here in Portland. And my my quality of living is so much nicer here. Um, I I have this beautiful studio space in southeast Portland and then like this beautiful place that I rent to live out of. And in in New York, I would be in a shoebox sewing at the end of my bed. Um, And that would be really tough. That being said, I mean, the, the one place, and I really don't like L.A. either um, because of you have to always be in a car, but that's where all the materials are. So I fly down there with what money I save. I can fly down to L.A. a few times a year and source my materials because we don't have them up here. And I'm looking at your, what you're wearing right now. <laughs> it's fantastic. Do you make all your clothes? I do. I do make my clothes. Um, One of the greatest things is I, my sample size is my size. So anytime I make a sample, I keep it, Um, which means that my closet's way too big. Um, But I am, like, I design for my kind of girl. I call it a witchster. It's like a witch meets hipster. Um, So there's a dark kind of gothy brooding quality to it. Um, Yeah, I like black. I like lace. Um, 
Yeah. You were talking about your hair earlier to me off the record, and maybe you could tell the story about what, how people describe your hair. Right now, my style icons are Peg Bundy meets Elvira, and I think that's what I got going on with my hair, like an updated Peg Bundy with an Elvira twist. Yeah, that's what I'm going for these days. Um, It suits you. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really enjoying it, yeah. It stands out. I, you know, my mom taught me, um, because she's always had really wild, beautiful hair, that hair can always grow back. So I don't have a huge attachment to it. I've shaved my head before. I got a perm a few years ago that was so super cool. Um, I've been A tight perm? Oh, because I wanted to have a white girl fro so I could, like, pick it out. Um, Yeah, and then once that perm grew out, I had to just shave my head. Um, So I I don't have a super attachment to it. It was Um, worth it for the perm, though. Oh, my gosh, it was so worth it, except that it smelled like egg farts every time it got wet. Well, the other thing, I guess if I wasn't a stand-up comedian, I'd be a perfumer. Like, I love perfume and smells. My favorite book is called Perfume, the Story of a Murder by Patrick Suskind. And I love that book because the entire book is written via smell. Um, one of my favorites. I do it a little differently than a lot of fashion designers. I think because I didn't go to school for it, I don't have rules or preconceived rules in my head. Um, and I try to make f- fashion, I call it emotive fashion. I try to put emotion into the clothing, whether through a story or my own personal experiences. Because everything that I keep in my closet, um, things that I've been, had since high school or middle school, are all things that have that emotional connection and attachment. I don't want clothing to end up in a landfill um you know there was this movement years and years ago called the slow food movement and i think that's what we need to have happen in the fashion um, industry we need to get rid of this fast fashion this over production of things made overseas that's cheap and throw away and we need to get slow fashion happening where it's locally produced it's made by hand it's you know the quality control is impeccable it's made really well and it stays in your closet forever you might tailor it in or tailor it out um, um, as you need be because of size changes but I'm really sick of what's happening in the fashion industry so I'm trying to bring that slow fashion movement into what's happening I think Portland does it really well and people accept that um, and yeah make really beautifully quality goods that have an emotive side to them you touched on influences a little bit um, and I'm sort of interested to know how you keep up with the current trend so to speak but keep your individuality sort of so that you are looking around and and getting influences from everywhere but not sort of copying anybody else I try not to look at trends because I think that's what spurs on this kind of fast fashion. It's with the internet, one of the greatest things is people have become more and more individual individualized. So you have these witchsters walking around and you have the, you know, collegiate looking and that you can be whatever you want to be, um, which is really wonderful. Um, I try not to follow trends, but I definitely get inspired by the environments I'm in. Um, just being in Peru, this collection that I'm showing um, here at uh, Fashion Next um, in a month, as well as a little kind of preview at the um, um, this conference that I'm doing, is based on this trip to Peru, where I took traditional Peruvian dress because a lot of the um, natives in the in Peru still wear the Quecha dress, and I turned it up and turned the volume in a different aspect. I tend to always go with the same color palette, which is heavy influenced by black. But then I love, I love, love, love the color ochre or yellow, as well as my stripper name, which is Dirty Chartreuse. 
It's also my drag queen name. Those colors, like, I don't know. I think it's because I'm a product of the 70s. I kind of go for that Brady Bunch color schematic. Um, yeah. And do you think that you have a distinct style? Like, there's a rack of clothes. Do you think I could easily pick out one of your dresses? Oh, most definitely. Um, I like to use a little bit of edge to, to things, whether it's a slice of leather or some hardware. Um, I love using and playing with volume and using traditional dressmaking techniques that have started to disappear. I use horsehair braid a lot to add volume, as well as, um, I, gosh, I love a puffy sleeve. You give me a power sleeve any day. So if you see my clothing, you're like, oh, that's definitely Michelle. She definitely has all these like voluminous sleeves and mixtures of materials and a really interesting, bizarre color palette. Yeah. Yeah, I would say those things are kind of typical for my designs. So on Project Runway, you were made to sort of be very creative very quickly. And have you used that sort of as an exercise to, to come up with something um, unique? One of the things that I do to keep from questioning what kind of design avenue I'm going to go down is something called procrastination. <laughs> because when you have very little time and really tight deadlines, which is typical of the fashion industry, you're forced to make decisions really quickly. And then you don't sit in hem and haw. I find that if I have two months to work on a project, I will never get it done. I will overthink it. I will overdesign it. But if I have two hours or two days, it's so much better. And I don't sit there going, hmm, what about this? What about that? I, it becomes less whiny and more like really creative. If it wasn't for the last minute, nothing would get done, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, like, thank goodness we live in a coffee town because I pull all nighters all the time. And does music influence your designs at all? Definitely, although I'm telling you this Netflix thing is kind of what's been going on for me. Uh, over the past, like, two months, I just keep my laptop open and I just binge watch while I'm sewing or designing. Um, but I like to work with local musicians to come up with um, music for these collections when they walk. There's one... Um, um, musician here in town. His name is Mr. Moo, who works a lot with the music for me. Um, and I give him the mood board, and I'm like, have at it. Um, so it, I think that makes it really special. I love collaborating with people. Um, it's one of the greatest things about working in this industry. And music is so much a part of the fashion world. So, you know, they kind of run in tandem, and you can play off them, and they can play off you. Oh, definitely. I've worked with a few musicians where I do, you know, stage wear for them. I just got to do this incredible festival in Columbus called the Fashion Meets uh, Music Festival. Because I was a, you know, presenter, I was under the talent um, lanyard. I don't wear lanyards, by the way, but um, I got to go backstage and watch all of the shows and met quite a few musicians um, and got to show my work. And yeah, music and fashion do go hand in hand. Are there any... Um, secrets to Project Runway that you could elaborate on or tell us that nobody would know about? Uh, we don't sleep at all, at all. Um, and that's why you get this, like, this fighting back and forth. You know, I just, I, when I talk to new moms, I'm like, you, yeah, we're getting like four hours. You get what it's like. You're definitely going to like freak out and have your moments. Um, and we don't have very much interaction with the judges. The only person we have interaction with is Tim Gunn, um, and Heidi Klum's a bitch. But she's a, she's a German underwear model. She's starving. I'd be a bitch too, you know? Yeah. So do you think that they 
pick the contestants as much for their sort of creative talent as for their different personalities and they try and mix it up and is is, is it sort of like pre-scripted any of that none of it's pre-scripted but there is there is when you look at the cast it is um or the designers it is you know half men half women and we're all very, very different age-wise because if we were all the same person, it'd be such a boring show. Um, and they are looking for different skill levels, um, pe- people that are professionals, um, and then people that are just starting out or just graduating from school. I will say that a lot of designers that are designing behind a computer for firms or using CAD programs end up not doing as well because they're not hands-on sewing constantly. And you have to sew everything that you do. Um, you're also not getting any patterns. So you have to drape which is the process of actually pinning muslin onto a dress form and then using that as a pattern. If you don't know how to do that because you come from a different side of the fashion industry, your, your ship's going to sink. What advice would you give to some young people coming out of college just who's just finished graduating from in fashion or anybody who's just interested in going into the fashion world? What, what would be your best advice to them starting off? Go back to business school. Um, <laughs> It's so much of being successful in this industry is having a solid mind about business, um, as well as try to get a flavor from all aspects of the industry, because you might not be a very good designer, but a better stylist or better at, you know, um, doing the marketing side of things. There's so many different avenues you can do in this industry. And, you know, being a designer is, it sounds like it's really like, oh my gosh, I want to be a fashion designer. It's so dreamy and romantic. And it's not. It's not as glamorous as you make it out to be. Heck no, it is not glamorous. It's like people who get into the food industry, opening up a bar or a restaurant, they don't realize they're going to be there 24-7. Yeah. Uh, I think Beyonce said it best, it takes hard work to cash checks. Not a bank account, hard work. And it is. I mean, we work seven days a week. You have to be a workaholic. Um, you have to not be able to sleep, and you have to be able to play well with others. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Um, thanks so much for joining us here on Portland Podcast. It's been fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for having me.